Soma Podcast is a space where we unravel energy layers that reside beneath mainstreams through engagement with people and practitioners. At its core, finding settlement and exploring understanding in order to duly aid us in creating more aligned physical and non-physical spaces. I am so blessed to realise the strength that making space and acknowledging self can give, as well as how grounded in authenticity and comfort energetic self-discovery can be. This podcast is for building your own environment and energetic solace with the help of explorative conversational enrichment. Hey, just dropping in to quickly update you guys or just to kind of give a personal update about Soma, where I'm at, where we're collectively at and just to let you guys know how I'm going. I have been moving through heaps of stuff recently and I just moved house. I think it's been three weeks now. So I've spent three to four weeks in the new space. Really, really, really cool. And I've just been really enjoying it. It's been a really turbulent year for me in terms of having a home, putting down roots and things like that. And still I've found this space, but in terms of 2021, me and my partner Chris have a lot of plans. And so I think I've got a bit of buzz there underlying, like feeling rest inside of this space, like knowing that there will be movement still. And there are still a lot of moving parts, like half of my stuff is in Melbourne at the moment. And I only have a few bits and bobs up here, but enough to make a home and enough to, you know, feel like a person living in a space. So that's been occupying a large bulk of my time and the other bulk of my time that's being occupied is Soma and my studies and I actually switched courses from conservation and land management to design now. It's been big, it's been big, big, big because conservation and land management was mainly based inside of physical experience. So physically acquiring that knowledge and being graded or a assessed on how well you can do those things physically whereas design is going back to your like raw traditional academic style of learning one and two grading say you're writing essays you're doing presentations and they're pretty lengthy and they also require in-depth research and also reaching down and really engaging the beta your middle beta state to harness that knowledge really really cool it's been really pushing me creatively that's one thing I've been really struggling with I'm on the precipice of having this assessment piece due for one of my classes called design studio and it's a type of learning that I haven't really undertaken before I'm pretty good and very academically sound in my written work in utilizing my voice and in communicating through words and then through information also how I feel and what needs to go on and whatever. But then when it comes to physically making and physically producing, I think I always choke there a little bit sometimes. So I've just been meditating a lot on that and really trying to unpack that, really trying to unpack what creating looks like and means to me and for me, because it can be really daunting trying to figure it out. And I've been attempting to get really, really comfortable with the idea of me as a creator, as someone creating content, as someone making stuff in general and just trying to go into that sort of space, the space of creation without 
too much judgment essentially or bringing less judgment to that because I feel like I'm really prone or was really prone to doing that especially at the beginning felt really vulnerable in that way so yeah as I said just been meditating on it and speaking of meditation I've bumped up my times from 10 minutes to 20 I think I've just been really needing it wanting it my body has been wanting it and so doing it has just been really really good and healing and I've been looking into Reiki healing as well because that seems really great something that would benefit me a lot because my main thing that I've been focusing on for the past few months is raising my vibration to be higher vibrating higher and then also attracting people with high levels of vibration and stuff through on my digital platforms or through digital media seeing to believe that I can vibrate higher and following people who vibrate higher and then also talking in my daily life to people who vibrate higher and another thing that I've been looking at in my personal scope and life and in my personal healing journey is how receptive I am to external energy of people who I actually don't even talk to so just people who I walk past or people who I see or people who I just am energetically feeling in my physical everyday how much do I actually take on from them because surprisingly enough it's a lot <laughs> I take up a lot of energy just from people walking past and that's just an HSP thing but I've been really working on that and then this morning I was just listening to a podcast episode with Joe Dispenza someone was talking to Joe Dispenza and he pretty much talked about his life story and then walked through all of the science like quantum physics and everything of reshaping your brain so that it doesn't receive pain or isn't as receptive to pain and then also so that you can completely heal physical pain and then also how it's like this big massive muscle and that it need, you need to practice it just really got me like ready and kind of affirmed leaning into that sort of analysis moving away from taking in heaps externally too much externally because as an HSP that can be really really intense because I feel like well I had a lot of fears moving back up to Brisbane initially because I was like oh no like I've changed everyone changes you know what I mean but I think Melbourne I had a lot of time to myself I had a lot of time to myself, obviously also with quarantine and stuff like that, but because I didn't know heaps of people there, I had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to meditate, rest, all those things. And I was really scared that moving back to Brisbane and, and staying with family for that brief period and then also with all of my beautiful and lovely, amazing pre-existing friends up here, I would just be overwhelmed because the last time I was here, I was doing a lot of socialising and I think... Yeah, I was pretty adrenally bunged out 99.9% of the time because of that. It's not that I wanted to actively avoid that. I was just like, I want to come into this space, into this state even with grace energy. And I want to be able to navigate that in a way that reflects the growth that I've undergone in a different space. And I'm really happy and excited because I feel like I've done that so far. And it was really hard initially. So it's been three or four months now of that. And well, the first two months were just awful. So well, not awful, but you know, like it was a lot of crying, a lot of, I don't know what's going on and all the change and all the stuff because like even though I am pretty quick moving and I like change like vigorous change it was still really overwhelming and I like to be in control so having a lot of vigorous change and not feeling in control it was just so intense but we got through 
I think this is a learnt thing through the second half of this year. When I really feel like there's nothing that I can rely on, falling back into my practice and saying I can rely on my practice. My practice being breathwork every morning and every day and then meditating every day, every day meditating. So when it was really chaotic and stressful, I was spiraling and I didn't know what to do and all the things. Every morning, first thing, getting up, breathwork, meditation. Next day, get up, breathwork, meditation every single day. After a while, as soon as I figured out that, you know, I was waking up and I was scattered essentially, or my energy was really scattered. I was like, yep, meditation every day. And that really helped. Anyways, this has been a pretty long update. So we're going to get into the episode now. And I'm so excited to present it to you guys talking with Kate. It was really, really beautiful. And he speaks a lot about his life and his life experience. I think what I find most beautiful about this episode is the way that he's actually dealt with his grief. All the light that he encompasses now is a byproduct of his experiences and that's with everyone. He kind of speaks us through experiencing grief and living on from that and through that and with it as well, because that's what happens with these emotions. They aren't us, but they are with us and we can become them. So I really like how he describes how he navigated it and where he is now. Really important, really, really cool, really, really expansive. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this amazing episode with Kate. He actually just recently released a book and I'm about to order it. I'm so excited to get it. He makes beautiful poetry. He makes beautiful things. And we speak to this a little bit in the episode. He can really access his feminine energy quite easily, which is really amazing. And it manifests in his food that he cooks for other people and then his poems in his creativity. It just manifests in his creativity and it's really, really beautiful. And so I'm very excited to read this book. I would encourage people to go and grab a copy for themselves. Enjoy the episode. I will link back in soon. Cade McConnell is a cook, meditation practitioner and poet based out of Byron Bay in northern New South Wales. He hosts events and retreats for cooking, some of them being men's circles or holding space for progressive and spiritual growth. He also shares much of his poetic works on his Instagram and they often speak and express deep connectivity with land and how to navigate bonds with earth and emotional self. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. I'm so excited to speak with you more on things. It's a treat to be speaking with you. Thank you. So the first question is one that I ask people at the beginning. Mm. Did you have a space or people growing up Mm. that was a catalyst for strengthening your relationship with natural environments? I grew up in a small coastal town and I think we had a freedom to explore that, you know, there was a lot of nature around, Mm. a lot of water. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful lake that connected to the sea and lots of beaches, and we had push bikes, so we could just cruise around and run through the bush and make cubby houses. And yeah, I was surrounded by a lot of natural beauty that I felt that I didn't know I felt. I think it's not until I got a little bit older that I really reflected on, you know, mm. um, that it was teaching me things, and that I knew now, I know now. I think it was more so the land there down in Foster. It's alive. And- it is. It's mm. so beautiful. What were some of the things that you feel like you've learned now mm. from the land specifically, from being surrounded in that way? I think I could speak for a long time, I think, but being <laughs> in the land and that silence 
Mm. I think it reminds you of who you really are, you know, that you're not separate from it and that we as humans are a part of nature and it's a part of the evolution of the planet and, yeah, spending time in nature and having a meditation practice or some kind of practice to strip away the, the busyness of the mind and feel deeply. It's really yeah, important. I feel mm. like she teaches me something different every day or every time I look at it with fresh eyes. Yeah, I feel that heaps. Even in the city, there still is like, you know, nature strips and, and mm. walks and trees and stuff out. Even like just leaves and their patternings and things like yeah. that are really, there's a lot of growth that can happen and connecting mm. energetically with mm. these things. Yeah. Mm. Practice. Let's have a little talk about your meditation practice and your practices in general. I felt like I started to develop some kind of spiritual practice when I was 19. So I moved up to the Byron area from Foster. So I was in a small coastal town, I think quite sheltered mm -hmm. from a lot of other aspects of life and the world and society. And I actually moved in with my uncle who hadn't eaten red meat since he was 19 and he'd been doing yoga since he was 19 and I didn't see him all that often. I, I thought he was pretty cool, you know, he was in his 60s and he still surfed and had blonde hair. And I started to just read some yoga books and do some postures. And I mean, I was doing this out in nature. I'd walk to the headland in Lennox Head and on this big cliff and mm. it was just nature all around me and I started to feel some the power of this movement and this stillness and breathing and mm -hmm. I felt a lot of changes in myself. My father had suicided when I was 16, so that was three years on. I think this yoga practice really allowed me to feel a deep connection with my surroundings and and accept what had happened. I think yes. accept and give me some purpose. I think shocked me into like the beauty of what's around me and the magic that's around me. And mm -hmm. that I think for so long I felt lonely, not having a father. And then I think... Having a practice and having that in nature, it was like, I'm never alone. I really felt that. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of transitioned into, I went to Sri Lanka in 2014 with my older brother. We went for a few weeks and I met this yoga teacher. He was in his 60s. He was actually an English man. He married a Sri Lankan woman. And he was the first person I'd ever seen or met who was just so alive and radiant i just felt him in my body and i was like that's what i want to be i want to be like him and he was just so youthful and alive and beautiful and the way he moved he moved like no one i'd ever seen before and he was 61 at the time yeah he was so flexible and strong and present mm. and radiant and we practiced with him maybe 10 days in a row and i took his practice home and i did it Every day, every yeah. day, every, every single day, I would not miss it. And really? I think the discipline came from like a sporting background. I played rugby league for 12 years and I was very disciplined. I liked that. The routine. Yourself. The routine and the structure. So there was a sense of discipline that came, I think, from that. Yeah. That came into having a yoga practice and not running away from it, you know, not going on and like doing this. It was like, just get on your mat and it started to feel great. Actually, I really started to feel the power of breathing and moving with the breath and the potency that came from that and this euphoric sensation in my body and the stillness of my mind and just this like elated level of connection that was just like sometimes making you want to cry. When I started doing yoga, I was doing a lot of like vinyasana and like really mm. quick, hot and fast 
yoga essentially mm. and then of recent like just this year I've been stepping into more restorative practice and like mm. trauma informed yoga mm. practice and I can't do it all of the time just because mm. I have a lot of trauma mm. stored in my body and every mm. time that I do it after each session I end up having a bit of a mm. moment and yeah, crying yeah. and stuff like that it is really opening mm. yoga especially restorative yoga practices they just go to the root of that trauma yeah. where it is somatically in the body and that's not something that you can do logically it's not possible and that's why it's so important to do and so it's crazy that you were doing that every day yeah you know yeah and we do it we just do it i think to the sunset there wasn't a lot of like purging for me like okay i felt like the ages actually between 16 and 18 i was crying a lot I would go out with my dog in nature or go for a paddleboard in the lake and just lay on my board and cry and sob. And I think it was a real release of confusion and not understanding why my dad did what he did. And, you know, but it was all beautiful. It felt, I think those three years felt very freeing and opening. Yeah, a lot of growth. A lot of growth for sure. I think it's really interesting how good you are with routine and stuff like that. Obviously, you had your football practice and Mm. things like that growing up. But I think it's really common for a lot of people to have a lot of trouble sticking Mm. with these things, even if they have had that sort of practice, even if they have had the idea of routine instilled in Mm. their life early on. I feel like also you have, and I may be wrong, I don't know, but your self-worth and your confidence Mm. in self or your relationship with yourself is really Mm. strong and you have a lot of integrity Mm. there and so you're Mm. able to be really consistent and show up for yourself every day and that sort of thing so I guess a question that I have is have you consciously or subconsciously either way done any work on strengthening your relationship with yourself or had anyone to help that i don't think consciously but i think since i did start practicing yoga every day there was some kind of self-service in that sense whether i was working to like have the afternoon to watch the sunset or jump in to see i think having a lifestyle that is so coastal and nature-based living so close to the beach there's something in me that knew to immerse myself in that i almost felt like it was respectful to the ocean and respectful to me that i jumped in that it's just there's this medicine bath and it's so easy not to utilize it i mean even in winter that is such a hack you know to do these things that the mind told us not to do yeah that's but so i i think it was through that time you know i was talking about practicing yoga and then that transition more so into more breath work and then stillness into meditation and mm. more just sitting i think it was knowing if i woke up tired and something was wrong i started to understand that what i thought was normal yeah for me wasn't actually normal and that when I used to wake up tired, it was my diet. It was because I wasn't eating great or it was because I was on a blue screen, my phone or my laptop before I went to sleep. And then I started to understand that maybe don't eat that heavy meal before, before bed. bed. Don't, and... over, don't overeat. Don't look at the screen before bed and just whoa, waking up and jumping out of bed, being energized and boom, straight into practice like that. I find now it's hard for me to stay in bed. I mean, in the winter, it's like, oh, I'll stay in here an extra 10 minutes. But there's something that's like consistency, building a healthy habit and knowing that what you get from that and then what you get from that, you share with others, you know? It's exactly. Like being, serving yourself is serving others. You'll have more presence with the people you come into contact with. Your work, you're more present with your work. And it's just like, it's all flowing through you. It all feels great. Yeah. Because you've served yourself. 
Exactly. And I mean, sometimes I notice, sometimes I give a lot to others and I haven't filled my own cup up yet and mm. then I'll get frustrated, you know, and it's just like learning that dance of like, okay, look after myself first. Yeah. In the morning, wake up, meditate, jump mm. in the ocean, connect. And yeah. then I can be of service to others, be of yeah. service to my work. Yeah. So how do you know in your body and mm. also in your mind then that you haven't served yourself enough yet, but you're serving others? How do you know when mm. to draw back and how do you actionably draw back mm. and, and take space and ownership of mm. self and repower? I mean, I think it's a level of being self-aware in noticing, oh, I'm frustrated. Why? Yeah. What's the reason? And also, too, with my partner, she's great at reflecting myself back to me. She'll pick up on that and let me know or if I react to something, she will just mirror me and it will bounce back. Giving or running around, doing all these things for other people and become tired and frustrated. It's just like, I feel it. Sometimes I don't feel it. Sometimes I'm blind to it. Yeah. But it's nice to like almost have a partner who can show you that. Yeah. Or to just give yourself the space, you know, whether it's the next morning or something and I've gone to sit to meditate and it's like, I need to fill my cup. Oh, yes. I need to practice. I'm feeling stagnant in my body. I need to move. I need to surf. Yeah. I can feel that. I can feel that. I think just having those moments in the day mm. of just being with yourself, being with myself makes it more obvious to feel what you need, you know, and I think I'm blessed in the sense of my work. At the moment, it's not structured Monday to Friday, it's sporadic. There's space for me to feel, like whether even if I'm cooking on a retreat or doing a class, there's space alone time to set up beforehand where I can feel how I'm feeling. And, yeah, and just you know, really ground in that. And Yeah, yeah I'm not working amongst the team necessarily where everyone else's energy is bouncing, bouncing off, off each yours. other and you, it's all blurry you can't feel yourself you know yeah that's so powerful i understand what you're talking about having a partner that reflects where you're at back you know mm. what i mean i think obviously we're all autonomous and we're individual and we're doing our individual things but it is very often when your shadow comes up you know what i mean and mm. it's reflected back at you mm. if that's what you're projecting out externally it, it comes back yeah definitely yeah so i don't know if you're into astrology it can be a bit taboo or whatever there have been a bunch of retrogrades going on one of them being venus i've been speaking with a lot of people and i've been channeling a little bit as well and a lot of people that are really finding a lot of resistance and like pressure inside of their partnerships and so I was just kind of curious as to how do you navigate difficult energy and that pressure that may come up you know what I mean in partnership and is that even something that comes up for you a lot yeah how do you navigate it yeah it definitely comes up you know what? I feel Sam and I, there's a lot of things that come up. She's American, so her family's on the other side of the world. And yeah. she's made a sacrifice to be here for now. We've made that commitment and devotion to each other that this is where we are right now. And things come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. It's like actually this beautiful, rapid spiritual growth if you're willing to do the work. And a lot of it's uncomfortable. I know I've had to face a lot of my shadows in order for the relationship to work. And to give her space to fully be her, I'm devoted to that, but I'm still growing into that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a lifelong practice of unwiring these wounds and you free something and then another one comes up. But we share the same practice. We both sit for tea ceremony and as it's so potent and so special and we sit across from each other in silence for 30 minutes to 40 minutes to an hour Mm. looking at each other in the eyes and in our own world, but it allows 
for me, this is my own experience, it allows me to slip out of that story. If I'm projecting, you did this, you did that, you haven't done that, and this story's running through my head, mm. all about you, 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 it's actually me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sam's just being, she's just being unapologetically her, mm. and I'm just being unapologetically me. By having that practice of sitting across from each other in silence, in an environment that is controlled and ceremonial and sacred it has just like really helped us soften when there's conflict in a relationship and really helped us to see each other and move on from hanging on to whatever that conflict is or the hurt that was caused and owning our own part in it feeling our emotions allowing each other to feel whatever we're feeling nothing is wrong and then let's move on for me all the tea ceremonies that i've been a part of they're typically conducted with the essence of peace from the beginning Mm. like even before the ceremony begins and so that's a really interesting sort of idea like holding space for these maybe more shadowy energy to like pass through and sitting in that and of course I think what would happen in that space of time especially is at the beginning you're in your head and you're Mm. trying to make sense of everything you're trying to logically understand or logistically understand what's going on and how you're feeling Mm. and how they're feeling and then tap in and then whatever And then after a period of time, you're probably just like, hold on, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, this is where I am and this is where she is and we're here. And you get out of the head and start asking more questions about the body and and sort of checking in with that, which Mm. is really, really grounding. Even that concept of you bow to each other before, you know, we bow to each other before we drink every bowl. There's no room for stubbornness. There's no room for that. Exactly. We come and we sit in ceremony and we drink together and we bow to each other. Yeah, I love that. That's so That's so amazing. You were talking a bit into your grief story and your mm-hmm. trauma. You were talking about stillness and the sense of alone. How did you kind of navigate that feeling of aloneness? And then I also want to know about, because I feel like stillness and aloneness, both of those Mm. feelings and concepts are actually really Mm. important and fundamental Mm. to your practice and your poems and stuff as well, like really speak on stillness in a way that is like you're growing into it, you're growing through it, and it's really a keystone part of your Mm. practice. So I just love to Mm. understand what your relationship is to that concept. I think my understanding of aloneness changed, mm. you know. I think growing up I was conditioned that to be alone meant you were lonely. And then may our aloneness remind us that we're never alone. Yeah. And in order to feel that, you have to be still and you have to ease into those edges that are uncomfortable and painful mm. and sometimes it's scary. <laughs> That's it, doing the work and feeling those deep emotions around loneliness. It's a big I thing. I think they're so, they're so important. And I mean, I speak from myself who doesn't have children or doesn't live an overly busy, hectic life. So mm. stillness and aloneness in some sense are an offer for me. Mm. I make time for them daily. And that's a choice that is, I guess, privileged that I have and I'm grateful for. I think I just have this feeling that the universe sort of decides and not for Mm. you, but decides with you for what Mm. you need. You may not. And I think because of conditioning and all of the overlays and all that sort of stuff, you may not know at the time that you need to be alone. And so I think that's Mm. then because of the conditioning, you know, a lot of people experience I'm lonely because I am alone or I'm by myself. And then Mm. they really struggle to like sort of untangle that idea. But I think at any given point in time, yeah, there's a reason. There's an absolute reason for that. Mm. You know what I mean? 
mean? And times for not being alone or being with people and, and being in space in that way will also come. And yeah, that's really interesting because I feel like they've become a really big part of my understanding, I think, this year. And I think last year I was really struggling, yeah, with the concept of alone and what that meant for me and my practice. And yeah, I had a lot of fear there attached to the idea of being lonely. It's been cool to like move through that and just really embrace and sit in the sort of feelings and hold space for that. I speak of that and I'm sure there's so many times to come where I'm going to feel lonely. You know, me saying that, Mm. it's not like I've fully transcended this sense of never feeling lonely. I feel like my aloneness does remind me that I'm never alone. I feel like meditation is so important. That's probably what made me realise for sure, that idea. And yeah, of course, like everyone has moments where they feel lonely and that's inevitable and that's always going to happen. I think that's just being human. (laughs) But when you can just really grow into that, that's amazing. That's a good feeling. I want to talk a little bit about your holistic cooking and what got you into that. Yeah, so it was actually that same trip to Sri Lanka where Mm. I met that yogi and my brother and I, we did a cooking class. We were in love with food in Sri Lanka. And this cooking class just blew my mind. This way of cooking that I never know. Everything was made from scratch. They were making their own coconut oil, coconut really? milk from the coconuts on the property. I mean, they were growing their own spices and grinding them into powders and hand yeah. smashing their own curry paste. And it just like, whoa. And food was so incredible. It was just like, really woke me up. There was no plastic. Nothing came in plastic or packaged. It was all just whole food. And I mean, I grew up a really fussy kid, like really fussy kid. I had a really poor diet. I ate a lot of meat and rice and that was all basically all I had (laughs) meat and rice. It was really hard for me to eat vegetables. I really didn't eat well and Mm. ate a lot of junk food. And then I started to kind of cook maybe around 18. And then I was cooking the year I was 19 and very much learning a lot. That trip to Sri Lanka really cemented a different way of life. I think meeting that yogi, it was like, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. And I want to do what he does. I remember asking him what he ate. And then from then on, I think that was where that concept of consciousness over convenience and what I cooked to was birthed and my whole way of life changed. You know, I wanted to be aware of every ingredient that I was eating. I didn't eat refined sugars. I think then I have dabbled in and out with dairy, but I would notice if I ate too much dairy, I would get inflamed. My sinuses would get inflamed. Eat unfermented gluten, like wheat or Mm. bread that's not sourdough. My sinuses will get inflamed or I'll feel heavy and tired. And I just became aware of that, relating how I was feeling to what I was eating. And when I ate clean whole food, even just eating at restaurants, a lot of the oils they're using, I wouldn't use at home, you know? And feeling that generally leaving a restaurant, I feel, I feel great, I feel heavy, and maybe the chef's stress. That's going in the food. Yeah, there's a heaviness to it. And then, I mean, I was a home-style cook. I loved cooking, and I was really influenced by Sri Lanka and India and Nepal after visiting. And I would read, you know, recipes and change them up and clean them up. Mm. And then it's kind of this natural transition. I just started sharing what I was doing on Instagram, food, and taking photos of it. And then I met a friend who was putting on events, and I got an opportunity to cook for, I think, 13 people. And I'd never done that before. I was so scared and nervous. But excited. Excited, very excited. And I got to cook an array of things that I would have never been able to cook or would have never cooked that time. And then I got another little job cooking it. 
something and then I was able to create a business out of that. Instagram became this portfolio where I share what I did authentically and people seemed to like that. So then I started to create some workshops and teaching people skills that I'd learned overseas or just through cooking at home and yeah it's been really special to share that with people. I feel very honored and grateful actually to be in that environment and create community around food. There's a deep sense of connection over food. I think what you do is so beautiful. I look at your food and I'm just like this is whole. It's cooked obviously but you can Mm. still tell that it holds heaps of nutrients and vitality and it comes from a warm place as well energetically Mm. which is so important I think. Although a lot of our mains are currently being updated, you can scope what's happening with Soma and our respective artists and practitioners via our Instagram at somaproject underscore, which is currently being revamped and re-engineered also alongside our website. I would also like to welcome Phoebe Kelly to the Soma team. Phoebe is our beautiful new communications director and administrative bean who also takes the most beautiful and contemplative, sweet, nuanced, sensitive photos and in true manifesting generator style has a fair few projects on the go at any given time. Really glad to have her on board and share some of her beautiful ideas and creations through our various spaces that we occupy as a team. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the episode. There's so many things I want to touch on. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about the importance of men's health and being in touch with your masculine energy and with your feminine energy as well as a male, you know what I mean? I know I have a lot of trauma around masculine energy and I think having a father who was abusive and Mm. very dominant and controlling and violent, I felt safe around women. I felt safe around feminine energy. And Mm. I had a really beautiful, close relationship with my mom where there was a lot of nurture and physical affection that really, I think, carried through with me, you know? And so during this kind of time of stepping away from old ways around not being, you know, 19 or so and starting this new way of life and not really having my friends and family around Mm. and the conditionings around me to start fresh, I did. I felt a lot more comfortable with females because I didn't have to be anything. Exactly. I could just be me and that, that wasn't threatening or that wasn't, there was no level of competition. And then I think meeting Sam like two years ago, it really allowed me to, oh, I, I was soft and I was soft. I was very open and expressive and very much in my feminine energy, which felt beautiful to just be involved, like to be able to share as a male and share how I'm feeling and not be fearful of, having to be something, yeah. you know, or be tough and mm. show strength in a different way of actually being honest. And then I really started to crave, oh, I really need men around me. I yeah. really want men around me. And that just naturally happened. And now there's a, an array of beautiful men around me who are living from their heart who are just like brothers. It, and it, it feels so strengthening, yeah. you know. It feels so beautiful to have the lightness and the joy of being silly with your mates, mm. but be able to sit in meditation together and share these deep places and speak about what's going on with us and not needing substance or anything to open up and just yeah. being honest and being in a whole space for each other and That's really so support amazing. each other. That's all. I've been I, calling that in. That's what mm, I want for myself I as just, well. Yeah. Mm. I wish it for everyone. I wish it for everyone. <laughs> With your tea ceremonies, they're also something that you conduct as well and, and share mm. with people, like how you do your cooking classes. Mm. 
And yeah, but also not to the, the public, just to friends on my deck in the sun. There is a little tea community here in Byron mm. who, a good friend of ours, Sam, he was in Byron serving tea and taught us all. It's become a beautiful way to connect with people, my mates, and also welcoming in other men to sit together and Deeply. That's so cool. Mm. As I said, I'm calling that in. So I'm trans, so I'm like mm-hmm. really trying to get my head around all of that sort of stuff. Mm. Each day is like just, I think, a lot of learning for me and a lot of trying to understand self more and get more and more comfortable as well. And then also yeah. push the limits of that comfort. I'm always really curious about sensitive men because I think, mm. yeah, I don't know I'm pretty sensitive. And yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah, I think I really relate to that being really in your feminine and then wanting to be around a lot of feminine energy for comfort and then sort of slowly branching mm. out and finding people who can hold space for you and your specific masculine profile, I think. How does intuition guide your mm. practice? And you in general. Yeah, I feel intuition is true. Nothing is more honest and right than our intuition. But then sometimes, you know, the confusion of, oh, is this intuitive or is this my mind? You know, sometimes not knowing what's what. Yeah. I'm going to keep reverting back to having a practice, having space to feel yourself in order to act on intuition in your everyday life, to be self-aware enough and connected enough to your body, we know when something doesn't feel right. Exactly. And, and, and we've got to le- listen. That's such a lesson of like feeling no in the body but still saying yes because we feel obliged. I feel like my work, just this last two or three years, I feel like has been very guided by intuition. I feel like I've been guided by the mother, you know, something greater and just like keep surrendering to that. And even if things are uncomfortable, keep surrendering to that. Because it's growth and it's evolution and trusting that, trusting yourself, trusting your intuition. Okay, this might be uncomfortable, but I know it's right. I feel that, hey. And I'm a very intuitive person. Mm. I know what I need consciously and then subconsciously as well. Over the past few years for me, I've just been fine-tuning like my no, like saying no, Mm. being able to say no, being able to hold space for self and follow through with my Mm. intuition. How has your circle or living mm. in Byron Bay impacted mm. your your life? I mean, obviously um, Foster mm. is like also beachy, but I think Byron mm. has a really specific sort of mm. energy and like lifestyle and, mm. you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm. I think <laughs> here in this area, I, I, I feel quite normal. You know, yeah. Like it's normal to to go to the beach and there's other people practicing or tai chi or yoga or meditation or swimming naked, naked, whatever. Mm. If if I go to foster, I'm 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 an outsider. You know, I'm very my way of life is very different. Whereas I think just my way of life is very catered to here mm. and. This area attracts people from all over the country and all over the world for a reason. That's so, so true. potent healing energy here and there's also a transience that can be very unsettling. And But I just feel like the land here, this Bundjalung land, is so alive and mm. so, so special. But, yeah, I mean, it's the people around me, I know I, the men I collect connected with now and who are great friends have all been on a very similar journey of yeah. having to give up 
the pain of giving up old habits and old, not giving up old friends, but just like transitioning away from that in order to serve himself fully and that allows us to I don't know, come back into old friendships and old relationships mm. as our more evolved confident self that feels so true yeah you know, by just being able to step away from that in order to come back so mm. yeah I mean there is a level of joy and in, in, in people here and a warmth you know this is a generalisation but I just I'm really grateful for the community and yeah. the, I think the shared collective gratitude of being able to live here on this land and in this country and for, yeah, the way the Indigenous people have kept this land so mm. alive, you know. Yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, I've obviously I've been a couple of times to Byron and yeah each time I really feel that and that's so it's really amazing that you get to experience that feeling like you know what I mean every day and and be really connected to to community and and space then too um every day and and have that like nice full circle of yeah people feeding land land feeding people um and stuff like that that's so beautiful yeah, it's a very flash. Mm. Mm. Just to pivot again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just trying to get through through everything. I've got a few, so many things that I'd love to, yeah, keep keep chatting about. Um, yeah, what, how, like, how does social media impact you, and how have you? Mm grown through sharing yourself on social media and what's your relationship with social media right now as well mm. Mm. um social media so i don't really use facebook and the only real social media i use is instagram mm. and and then you know i definitely younger i definitely felt myself go through phases of sharing things in order to get attention Mm. you know, and sharing things in order to get some kind of quick fix or quick fix or like. The, um, the dopamine hit. Dopamine hit, mm. you know. Mm. But through, I think, just more so around 22, 23 is when I started to become quite expressive on social media and I really felt some kind of, I don't know, evolution in me a deep like you know this wall all of a sudden that's when I started writing I never wrote before that all of a sudden there was just this force that was just wanted to come through me it was it was beautiful mm-hmm. and Instagram was a way in order to express that my words my poetry and if I didn't have that yeah there's th- that would have been I don't know I would have bursted I think there was something in me that was was saying that this writing is not to be stored in a, a journal of that yep. I want to see, mm. you know, these, these words can help people. It's just an expression of my experience that I'm sure a lot of people resonate with, mm. you know. So yeah. I'm really grateful for that. It, I think, yeah, it allowed me to be vulnerable and to be seen and mm. maybe that encouraged other people, especially other young men, that they, they can share how they're feeling or allow people to soften into, oh, I feel that as well, you know. And, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so 
that's been great. Um, there's also like another element of social media. Like it's a, it's a way where we can really shelter ourselves. You know, I can create this world where I only see what I want to see. Yeah. And any, anything that confronts me or makes me feel uncomfortable, I can shut away, you know? Mm. So in some sense I can create a really safe space. Mm-hmm. And I, I notice I do that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't look at a lot of other people doing similar work to me or I, I look at people who inspire me. Yeah. Not, not, <laughs> you know, it can be a trap if you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Exactly. That's and so I think That's a huge one is this sense of comparison mm. and it can take away from our authentic self and I think that's been something is just like, there's been times where I have felt very expressive and just expressing, expressing, expressing without comparing myself to others, how are other people doing this or, you know, mm. sometimes I don't feel creative and I will look at other people expressing and creating and go, oh, like, I miss that feeling or, you know, put pressure on it. But that's just not, that's not the way it is. No. And that's not the way it works for me. It comes in waves and, you know, my creativity sometimes comes through food, sometimes comes through poetry, sometimes comes through the way I dress, like, dress sometimes, mm. the way I style my my space, you know, there's so many different ways it flows through me. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But two, I know there is a level of me that, you know, I can be quite silent. Yeah. Also, you know, my life is it is quite private. Mm. Um, and there's aspects that I don't really share about my relationship on social media because I feel like maybe a lot of people who do share their relationship overly on social media want it to be seen in that way and it yeah. might not actually be that way exactly you know, there's a sacredness between Sam and I that I don't need to share publicly mm. and people, people who know us know the depth of our love and I know the depth of my love so, so you know I'll share bits and pieces if we're on a little adventure on my story but I won't yeah actually I forgot I wrote, I've written a poetry book that yes amazing <laughs> that will be shared in hopefully the next few months That's and there's so a lot exciting. of that deeper sense of stuff that I wouldn't share on social media yeah in that book you know oh my god that's um, so but cool. yeah my relationship with social media it's always changing sometimes I catch myself just flicking through Instagram really mindlessly mm. sometimes it feels nice to just not even look at it delete the app and just tap out from that for a few days you know mm. um, yeah and I know I do. I do shelter myself through not looking at a lot of stuff, you know, and I do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I do. I go through periods where I do a similar thing, although with the creation of Soma, I have, I used to be really quite rigid with like who I was following and just for that Mm. exact sake, like for healing and for making Mm. it a safe space and stuff like that. And then with Soma, um, I just follow exactly what I think aligns with the project and with me at the time and what yeah. I would love to see at that point in yeah. time. And so yeah. that's kind of ballooned and blossomed into a lot of different people and a lot of different yeah. things and this and that. And some things are more like obviously branded and, and selling and, and then yeah. some things are obviously more showy, but I really, I, and then some things are really authentic, you know what I mean? I really authentically yeah. mean, then I follow them on my personal account as well. But you know, I think 
I just am really trying to allow that. I'm like, yep, that's this is the space for it. You know what I mean? Like inspiration. Some, you know, there are, you will always, there's always things to love about everything. You know what I mean? Mm, You're, I, totally. I think it's so important to realise that you can't, I mean, there are some things that you see where you're like, oh my God, every mm. aspect of this is me. You know what I mean? Or mm. every aspect of this I just really resonate mm. with. But then, yeah, sometimes you see something and you're like, I really love the look of this thing and mm. I really love energetically what it's saying but I don't mm. really like how it's being brought to me but I appreciate it still and yeah so mm. I think I'm just trying to let that scope kind of flow and and ebb and a bit more because mm. yeah I've it's really hard having a good relationship with Instagram I think it's good mm. that yeah you're really aware of of self and you know you still really stay true to yourself through through being aware of of how your relationship's going with it. Mm, yeah. 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 And I think I think one thing too is sometimes feeling a pressure to share, you know. I know I did feel it. Sometimes I feel that through COVID, but it was so nice to just not share, have mm. a break. Yeah. And go, and go inward and just, you know, live that simple life I always dreamt of and not having to be so outward. Sometimes I do feel pressure like, yeah. Oh, you should share something, you know? Mm, mm. Um, and if I do feel that pressure, it means I'm not supposed to share it because it's not authentic. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do feel like sharing and it feels, if it feels easy, it feels right. I mean, to me, that's right. Yeah. It doesn't feel easy. If there's some kind of restriction, yeah. then it's not, not right, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll, I'll ask one more question <laughs> and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, hmm, I guess how, and we were kind of talking about this in our last chat as well, mm-hmm. how do you navigate discomfort? Obviously mm-hmm. through your practice, meditation mm-hmm. and and such, but how do you more consciously mm. heal through, yeah, through discomfort and, yeah, come into understanding that and integrating mm. that? Mm. Mm. Just any form of discomfort or discomfort in? Discomfort in, I think, an energetic and emotional mm. sense, mm. yeah. Mm. I read this little poem a little while ago and it was uh, the comfort zone is barren land yeah you know, no, nothing grows there mm. and discomfort I feel it's a, it's everywhere I feel it every day mm. in some sense yeah I'm sure um, but just I think that level of self-awareness of noticing oh I'm feeling uncomfortable mm. acknowledge that mm. you know and then why analyze it why am I feeling uncomfortable yeah exactly I mean I mean accept it so accept it it's like yeah I'm uncomfortable and then maybe investigate why mm. why am I feeling uncomfortable and then allow that to be just nourishing that and yeah um, actually my partner Sam has 
been listening to a lot of Tara Brock. She's a Buddhist meditation teacher. Yeah, she's and, amazing. And she she has that um, practice of rain. Mm. Of if you're feeling that discomfort or you, you feel something come up to, what is it? Is it R? It's R is... Ref- I, I can't remember. I think it's reflect. Reflect. And then A is to accept and I investigate and nourish. So yeah. what I kind of just said is, so that's a little practice that's just been gifted to me over the last couple of weeks. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I think Tara Brack is amazing and, and Rain yeah. is a beautiful concept. And I think I think I do that intuitively now just because I've gone mm. through quite a bit of, like, you know, mm. therapy and stuff like that. So that's like the natural – well, that's not the natural, but that's the way that you kind of get told to work through um, trauma mm. and stuff like that typically. Mm. And, yeah, and it starts to become – have you noticed it becoming autonomous, like, over the weeks or...? Yeah, not so much the rain, but I do notice myself leaning into discomfort a lot, mm. um, which sometimes I'm just like, oh, kind of be easy, you know? But yeah. <laughs> I think it is because there is this inbuilt sense of, like, wanting to evolve and wanting to be the best version of me, and in order to do that, you can't run away from discomfort. Yeah. You know, it's like you got to get in the stickiness and the mud and yeah, and just I think knowing the impermanence of everything, I think that is a beauty of having the Vipassana meditation where you feel physically in your body the impermanence of sensation. So mm. you really you see the impermanence of every everything outside. You know, everything's growing and decaying. Mm. It's the law of nature. So knowing whatever is making you feel uncomfortable. Is, not forever it's coming and it's going and it's just a feeling yeah it's so beautiful and thank you for all of your answers and for sharing your story and information about your practice really amazing to talk to you i've really enjoyed it oh good Mm. pleasure chatting and thanks for having me Hope you all enjoyed this episode with Cade as much as I enjoyed listening back to it. Be sure to follow the podcast and share with whoever you wish. You can find Cade at his Instagram, om underscore Cade. And you can also find him on his website, om-cade.com. And you can find his brand new book, Ephemeral Stillness which is a book of poems or a collection of musings, as he likes to say, on his shop. Thank you for tuning in. Keep eyes peeled for the next.